Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Millionaire Mindset Radio Show. I am your host, Andre Jones, back with another special guest today. And we have Atrina Moss, Dr. Atrina Moss, with, uh, what's your what's your name of your company? Ambulatory Care Specialty Group. Am- Ambulatory Care Specialty Group. She's also a member of the American Nursing Association. Uh, she works for the, uh, for the VA hospital also. So we want to talk to her about this coronavirus that's uh, getting a lot of attention right now. So, Ms. Moss, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate you being on here. I got a lot to ask you. We got a lot of information to give to people today. But first, let's first find out about you. Okay. Find let's tell us uh, about yourself and uh, how'd you get into the business of uh, nursing and all that. What, what was your inspiration in that? Okay, thank you again for having me. I am Dr. Trina Moss, and um, I've been a nurse for over 20 years. And again, my company is called um, the Ambulatory Care Specialty Group, and I assist um, ambulatory care uh, organizations create individualized client experiences through care coordination, redesign, and um, cost control platforms to create revenue. Um, I actually attended the high school for health professions and graduated some time ago. So I knew for a long time I wanted to be a nurse. And so um, I just kind of followed that trajectory and here I am. Okay. All right. And so uh, where did you uh, go to school at? I I finished my uh, PhD degree in nursing science from Texas Women's University. I actually started out as an LVN and I worked my way through school, um, going through uh, LVN to REN. I uh, obtained a master's degree and then again I finished uh, my PhD degree with Texas Women's University in Houston. Okay, okay. Are you uh, a native Houstonian? Yes, born and raised here in Houston. Uh, I was born in the third ward area and uh, grew up on the north side. Okay, awesome, awesome. And so, okay, we're, we're here to talk about this coronavirus mainly. So let's find out about uh, about this. Um, tell us what the coronavirus is first. What is okay. uh, what is this uh, virus that people are you know been talking about lately? So coronavirus is a uh, virus that's come, that comes from the, the corona family. And if you've paid attention to the media and CDC, it looks like a like a little a cone. So um, we've had different variations of this family type of virus in the past with SARS and MERS. And so um, this is a, another variation of that family of virus that affects the respiratory system. Okay. Okay. And uh, is there any? Do we know how it came about? You know uh, how it started. Uh, you know. You know how that. So, the virus is thought to have been communicated or um, transmitted, if you will, uh, by a bat. However, um, there had to have been a. A intermediary transmitter. So perhaps a bat came in contact with a regular animal or even an animal that was slaughtered for, for food 
and then that was that animal transmitted it to humans okay. uh, either by way of consumption or uh, handling any uh, feces or any uh, contaminant from the animal. Okay. Okay. And so, um, well, let's. let's um, what are some of the symptoms for for this virus? Okay. So first off, I just want to share with everyone, the information that I'm sharing with you today is coming from the experts at CDC. Um, keep in mind that all of the information that you hear here, as well as on the CDC website and through the media, um, is fluid and ever-changing. And I just want to encourage everyone to um, be good stewards of the information that you take in and uh, go to the CDC website at www.cdc.gov forward slash COVID19 and sign up for the weekly email updates regarding the COVID 19 uh, coronavirus. And you will be Tell able to. Tell me that website again. Okay. www.cdc.gov forward slash COV ID one nine. Okay. So some of the symptoms, going back to your question, some of the symptoms um, you would expect to see uh, very much resembles the, the flu. Okay. Okay. So um, the top three symptoms you'll see are fever, a cough, and a shortness of breath. And a fever is a temperature of 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit or greater. And you can't tell that by touching somebody on the head. Okay, I just want to make that clear. Um, so in, in your preparation, um, in, in learning about this and, and some of the ways to prevent it, if you do not have a uh, temp temperature thermometer at home, go out and get one. Okay. That's, a, that's one of my uh, recommendations. Okay. Everyone should have a... Uh, uh, electronic thermometer at home. Okay. Any other symptoms other than those? Fever, cough, shortness of breath are typically what you're going to see. And again, those symptoms are very similar to the flu. So oftentimes what what is happening is, oh, I have the flu. Yeah. Um, and because this mimics the right. flu quite a bit. So how do you uh, how can you determine whether it's just the flu or you have this virus? At this at that point, if you have any of those symptoms, and when I say short of breath, I don't mean like I just walk down the street and I got short winded because I never walk. Kind right. of shortness of breath. I mean um, that it feels like almost like a, a drowning, if you will, or um, I can't breathe um, because because you can't have the, because you don't have the appropriate exchange of air. Okay. So um, one or more fever, the shortness of breath will get you to your um, uh, physician. However, the recommendation now is to call ahead. If you have those symptoms, you call your doctor first because one of the ways of prevention in, for preventing and containing is if you do, in fact, have uh, coronavirus, 
we want to be able to contain it as much as possible. So it is highly recommended if you have any of those symptoms that you call your doctor or your provider first and, and have them make recommendations and guide you on what you need to do next okay. instead of just showing up at the emergency room. Okay. Because now we want to be able to uh, make sure the emergency room um, is available for real Life-threatening emergencies. emergencies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, so, how is the how is this virus spread? How how do, how is it spread now? Okay. So the virus is spread uh, several different ways. The first, of course, is person-to-person -person contact, uh, which is defined as close contact. And close contact is about six feet. So. Uh, so it's not actual touching, is it? It's not. Is it, can touching be considered contact it, also? It is if people don't wash their hands. Okay. Okay. So uh, we'll and you get, will stress that. Absolutely. <laughs> we will talk about appropriate and adequate hand washing. So person-to-person -person contact, which means six feet. And the reason is, which is the next um, uh, mechanism of spread because of respiratory droplets. So you get respiratory droplets from an infected, infected person who coughs or sneezes. Mm -hmm. So if you're in my personal space, which is here, this is my personal space, that's three feet, okay? That's about three feet. That's okay. what's considered personal space. So if you're less than six feet, you're kind of in my personal space. Okay. And so if you cough or sneeze and you don't cover your, your mouth with your elbow, um, or if you have a tissue, mm -hmm. then those respiratory droplets go into the air. So it's not the air that's contagious. It's when people inadvertently cough and sneeze into the air and they don't uh, try to contain those respiratory droplets going into the air. Okay. Or they cough and sneeze in their, in their hand and then they don't wash or disinfect. Okay. And they shake your hand or they touch an object. So um, those are the two primary ways that it's spread. And then, of course, um, people are thought to be more contagious when they are absolutely sick. So if you, if you know someone is readily ill and obviously ill, where they're sweating and they have a fever, oh, I, oh, I just don't feel good, and they're coughing and sneezing, um, they may or may not be infected with the coronavirus, but at that point, you want to be be very cautious. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm still kind of, I'm still trying to figure out what, how can we tell the difference though between the two, like the regular flu versus the virus. Um, you know, this flu season, we people typically get sick around this time anyway, wintertime. So, how can you determine that? You know, we just got a common cold versus this virus, you know, especially if we don't know if we even come in contact with nobody that might have that. Okay, so you asked a, a couple questions. A common cold typically does not uh, show up with a fever. Okay. You you feel like you're you're really sick, and you and some people are really sick with a common cold, but you typically don't have a fever with a common cold. Okay. Um, the flu. And the coronavirus, as I mentioned, they they look the same in yeah. terms of symptomology. So 
um, fever, cough, shortness of breath. I mean, the only definitive way at this time to test for the coronavirus is again to uh, contact your your healthcare provider and uh, have them guide you. So you should testing treat it pretty much treat it the same way as the flu in term because you yeah. have to get a specific test. Yeah. Um, just like if you. When you go to the doctor or urgent care, they test you for the flu with a swab, right. a nose swab. Um, there's a specific kind of test that they have to use for the coronavirus. Oh, okay. okay. All right. And how can uh, how can we protect ourselves? How can we prevent it from spreading? If we you know find somebody that does have it, or we have it. How do we uh, how do we prevent or protect ourselves from other people who are transmitting it? So unfortunately, we don't know who has what at any given time, right? So um, whether it's the flu or the coronavirus or anything else that's respiratory in nature. Um, so the best avenue is prevention. Um, again, going back to those preventive measures in terms of uh, covering your mouth when you cough or sneeze with a Kleenex. And I want to I want to point something out really important about the Kleenex. Typically, when people get a respiratory infection, whether it's the cold or the flu or what have you, they'll hold on to one Kleenex for dear life. Okay? We can't do that anymore. Okay, do that. We use it once, we discard it immediately. Okay. If you don't have a Kleenex available to uh, cover for a cough or a sneeze, you use the inside of your elbow. Yeah and uh cover um because you want to protect other people i don't i don't think there's anybody who deliberately wants to spread right an illness so but we have to be mindful in what we do um to pr take the necessary preventive uh, measures um also the the most important thing that you can do is wash your hands. Okay. This is not any regular old hand washing. This is the way we should wash every day, all day, anyway. So what so type I'm of soap do you use? I was going to ask you, what type of soap and things like that do you think we should use that are, that are most effective? Regular soap is the most effective. Mm -hmm. There is no... Uh, special soap. I know people, some people like Dial, some people like. I agree. I, soap is soap. Yeah. So soap is more effective than uh, your antibacterial uh, this, uh, hand sanitizer. Antizer. Mm -hmm. Because you want to be able to uh, clean your hands in the appropriate way for it to be effective. So soap is not going to work if you're not washing appropriately. So I'll explain real quick what that looks like. You, you need to wash your hands, of course, after you go to the restroom, men and women, okay? okay. I'm, I'm gonna make that clear. Okay. <laughs> men and women, whatever you're doing in the restroom, you wash your hands um, afterwards, before you eat, before you touch your face and your eyes. So I'll explain a little bit what hand washing should look like. You turn the water on, you wet your hands a little bit. Then you get the soap from the soap dispenser. You wash your hands thoroughly. When I say thoroughly, it's for 20 seconds. And to give you an idea of what 20 seconds is to wash your hands, pretend it's your birthday and sing the happy birthday song to yourself in its entirety. <laughs> okay. That's 20 seconds. 
seconds. All right, that's okay. the way to look at it. All right. So once you're done washing your hands, here's another important piece that people miss. Once you're done washing your hands for that 20 seconds, every day is our birthday. So we're going to say happy birthday to yeah. me every single time we wash our hands, right? And um, we rinse the soap off. We need to grab the paper towel before we turn the water off. You grab the paper towels, dry your hands thoroughly, and you use the paper towels to turn the faucet off because there are a ton of germs on the water faucets. And it would make no sense to wash your hands that thoroughly and then touch a germy water faucet. Okay. So you dry your hands thoroughly, then you use the paper towels to turn the water faucet off. Now, you don't discard the paper towels yet because now keep in mind I'm talking about when you're away from home. Okay. Um, if you're going uh, out of a, a, a door where you have to pull or push and you have to use a handle, you use that paper towel to open the door. And if you pay attention now, I mean, because everybody, I'm hoping that everybody is more mindful. There's always going to be a, a trash can by the door. Mm -hmm. That's the reason the trash can is by the door, okay. so that you can discard your paper towel after you used it to open the door. You discard the paper towel in the trash can. Okay. Okay. Right. So right. that's what an appropriate hand washing looks like. Okay. All right. And, uh, so who is uh, more likely to catch that uh, virus? Is there any, uh, any segment of the population, age-wise maybe, that's so, more apt to get it than, than others? Right now what we're hearing and seeing in the media is um, we're hearing more often of the, the, the people who have a, a who are suffering the fatal consequence of the coronavirus, the people who die. And the prevalence of that uh, is individuals who are older individuals, greater than 60, and who have an underlying condition, uh, usually a respiratory condition or um, diabetes or heart disease. So I'm saying all of that to say, um, if you have any underlying condition, please, please, please make sure that it's managed. And what that, what is, what does managed mean? If I'm diabetic, I need to make sure that I'm taking my insulin, mm -hmm. that my blood sugar or my blood glucose is well controlled. I'm checking my blood sugar daily because individuals who are diabetic have a, a little more suppressed immune response, so they tend to. Uh, suffer uh, infections um, to a greater extent than those who do not have diabetes. Okay. okay. So, uh, and of course, if you have asthma, emphysema, or, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, um, that makes you at greater risk as well. And those diseases, in terms of emphysema and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, tend to be a little more prevalent in our older population and of course i don't need to say anything about it if you smoke yeah. so that's that's kind of the equivalent of having yeah. a respiratory disease so if you smoke you you you're right. a little bit higher more risk of, yes you're more susceptible at yeah. higher risk so those are the populations that tend to be at higher risk 
Now that doesn't mean that no one else gets it, but um, it's been noted that those individuals who have uh, underlying conditions uh, tend to uh, have a, a greater risk and suffer greater uh, severity of illness from this disease. Okay. All right. And um, so, so let's let me find out that should we be concerned about this virus? Is there something that we should be uh, should be fearful of? You know, as far as you know, all the things we hear on the news and stuff like that. You know, um, what do you what what do you think about you know us and uh, the word the level of of concern we should have for this? I think, in my own opinion, in my professional opinion as a nurse scientist, I think that um, fear is uh, fear leads to irrational decision making. Mm -hmm. Awareness allows you to uh, make greater uh, judgments in your actions. So, fear is not what we need. We need awareness, and we need. Uh, factual awareness so that again that's why i'm encouraging everyone who's listening to really uh get your information from the authorities uh at the cdc or the world health organization and, and being mindful that this information is changing uh pretty rapidly simply because this is a new disease and going back to what i mentioned before um, we've seen this before when there was a uh, SARS epidemic and, and MERS, and, which comes from the same family of uh, viruses. You know, so, Ebola and stuff like that? Oh, that was a little different. It was a little different, but we've had these disease outbreaks mm -hmm. uh, kind of out of nowhere before. Yeah. And so, again, the same prevention kind of techniques always come back to appropriate hand washing. So we need to not let our guard down in terms of the things that we should be doing every day, whether or not we have some new illness or disease coming along. If we're doing what we're supposed to do every day, washing our hands, being mindful of uh, spreading, or should I say being mindful of not spreading respiratory uh, droplets when we cough and sneeze, because we don't know all the time that we have anything anyway. Right. Um, because sometimes diseases manifest or can, they can transmit and the person who's transmitting them, they are asymptomatic, they have no symptoms. Yeah. And that, that has even been, in some of the cases, identified with some of the um, coronavirus individuals. That's not the most uh, prevalent way. Um, so you can have a virus and, and not, not have symptoms. Correct, that's not the norm, but it, it has been noted that there are individuals who have it and they don't have symptoms. So we never know uh, what we're carrying. So we should always be mindful of our, uh, what we call pulmonary hygiene when we cough and sneeze. It's just the respectful thing to do. Yeah, yeah that's true, that's true. And uh, how likely am I to, to catch this virus? Is there a likelihood that I'll get it if, uh, you know, whether I do something, something, uh, or eat something specific, or go somewhere specific, uh, is it? What's the likelihood of me getting this virus? Um, I can't predict anyone's likelihood. I can share 
again, how we can, what we can do best to prevent it. And I, I want to talk about uh, this whole fear about wearing masks. Okay, yeah, so, um, <laughs> so those individuals who would need masks are the people who already have the disease or the virus because it is a way of protecting the rest of us. Okay. So I'll paint a picture for you. So if there are 10 people walking down the street and five of those individuals um, are positive for Corona and five are not, the people who need the mask are the people who are positive for Corona right. so they don't so spread. spread right. Okay, the people who don't have the virus or who, who have not contracted the virus are, are, are safe when the people who have the virus have the mask. So if we go, if we go into this fearful mode and uh, buy up all the masks for those individuals who need to be isolated from healthy individuals, then we run the risk of having a wider spread of this disease. And we also run the risk of having a wider spread because the people who take care of sick individuals, like me as a nurse, um, the individuals who work in healthcare will not have the supplies yeah. that they need. So just let's just imagine if if it's your father, your mother, your child, your husband, your wife, you would want the people who uh, we trust to take care of them to have the, the tools and the supplies that they need to take care of sick individuals. Mm -hmm. So um, the masks are really for the people who are already infected. Well, let's talk about the masks a little bit more. Mm -hmm. How do we wear those masks? I mean, I know people just bond them. And that's the a, other thing. There's a way to that they should fit, and there's a, a longevity to them too. I mean, you can't keep it for one mask forever, you know? So. Uh, tell people what, uh, how long you should wear the mask, and you know, is there is there one that kind of you should buy one that fits our face or around our mouth correctly, right? Okay, so again, I'll just I'll emphasize and reiterate that you don't need a mask if you're not infected, right? True. Okay. True. Yeah. So you yeah. have the surgical mask that. You could kind of buy over the counter at your drugstore or, or Walmart or whatever. Um, those would be the masks that would be in place for the people who are infected. Mm -hmm. You were talking about the specially fit N95 masks. Okay. Those are the masks that we keep, that we have in um, our hospitals um, that are or high level, if you will, or special masks that keep out um, certain size um, droplets. So, if, you know, viruses are, are um, determined by the size of, of, the, of the virus. So you have particles that are very small and particles that are very large. Okay. So an N95 mask um, protects against 95% of uh, respiratory particles okay. that are infectious. So that's why you can't just get this over the counter. Right. And it's not 
idea for you to just try to buy it because um, in healthcare, we have to be specially fit. So you have to be specially fit for these masks for it to really be effective in the first place. So you just arbitrarily go out and buy one and it's not specially designed or specially fitted for your face. Um, then it's, it's of no use to you. Um, a lot of people don't know if you have hair on your face as a male, then it's not really gonna fit well. So again, there are certain so things I'm thing? talking about just hair on your face. Oh, okay. okay. So really, literally, if you have hair on your face, um, there, there are some concessions that you, you would have to make to have that mask on. Okay. So again, the awareness is most important in terms of being aware of factual information. That will not just help you, but help the rest of us in the community. Uh, we're, we have to be stewards of each other now. Right. And so uh, we really have to be aware of the information and the factual information that we are, are taking in and sharing with others. And so how long should you keep a mask if you're infected? How long should you wear a mask before you put on, use another one? So if we're talking about the surgical mask, so if the person, uh, of course, that's wearing the mask um, is positive for the coronavirus and um, they're sneezing and coughing, they probably want to change the mask at least once a day. Okay. You know, um, because again, they they are sneezing and coughing and um, the mask on the inside is becoming soiled with those droplets. So you want to kind of be mindful of, of keep, keeping up that mask clean and changed. Okay. And uh, what's the, uh, is there a similarity to this coronavirus with the SARS when they had SARS? So the similarity again is that it comes from the same virus family. Okay. And so um, unfortunately now there is no, there's no vaccine for the coronavirus. Um, all we can do is prevent and contain. That's why it's so important for people to have the right information and take the appropriate action. And, and that is how to prevent uh, further transmission. Okay. And do you know how they, how did SARS get, how did they end up getting rid of that, that virus? Uh, that was just a few years ago, I think. Yeah, it, it, it was about in, 10 I, years ago, maybe? I think it was in the early. Maybe early 2000s or mid 2000s, yeah. 2002 to 2005. Um, I'm not really clear on um, how it was treated and uh, I won't say eradicated because it's still around. Mm -hmm. uh, we just don't hear about it right. anymore. So, uh, so is there a vaccine was, for that though, for SARS? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. I, I know we were able to treat it. Yeah. And so, um, Again, when we see these, you know, the Bible says nothing happened, nothing new, new happens under the sun. Yeah. So that's again why we 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 should not have selective memory or be so quick to forget because everything that happens has happened before. Yeah. And so we always need to be vigilant and alert uh, about how we behave and how we act, especially when it comes to our health. You know, when, when things don't, when, when they don't matter to us, yeah. then we just kind of tend to become complacent and go about our way, but we can't be complacent or else 
we always revisit what we visited before. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, what is uh, what are some of the reasons in your professional opinion uh, why this keeps coming about? Why do we keep having these outbreaks and and things like that? I mean, I understand you, you keep you keep bringing up about the hand washing thing, and I'm pretty sure that's a very important thing. But is there any other reason why we keep experiencing these outbreaks every few years? I don't have a theory or uh, an opinion about why, um, other than just my own my own personal belief that until we realize that we need to face our own behaviors in terms of how we uh, show up on the earth and how we deal with the earth and what we put into the earth is going to keep coming back to us. Yeah. That's what I believe. No, you're right. I, that's I what agree. I believe. So I, we, 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 we have to be real clear about what we're putting out into the earth um, in terms of our behaviors about how we treat the planet, how we treat uh, other living beings, how we treat animals. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, we will keep getting back what we put out. Yeah. And how long is the incubation, incubation period for this uh, virus? So uh, an individual can uh, typically be infected from anywhere from 2 to 14 days or longer before they start to show symptoms. Oh, wow. So it, it's it's very very it's, it's really variable in terms of when symptoms so show up versus gradual, huh? yes. So kind of like the flu, the flu by the time your symptoms show up, you contracted it several days ago. Yeah, and you start feeling sick and right. it just gets progressively worse and you know yeah yeah. So I I, I kind of like to. Um, equate how viruses replicate in your body to um, compound interest. If you, if you know anything about compound interest, yeah. it's the same way. So by the time the virus replicates to a, a certain number, you've already been affected, of course, but that certain number is that place where those symptoms show up. Okay. And uh, how effective are the disinfectants that we buy in the store? The Lysol's, the Fabuloso, the 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 hand sanitizer wipes and stuff, antibacterial wipes and stuff. Are those effective to use to to keep or prevent the yes. the virus from spreading? That's, that's a good question. So yes, um, any any of your household, your typical household products. Um, are appropriate to use um, for uh, cleaning and disinfecting um, what we call fomite or inanimate objects. Um, again, CDC has a, a plethora of types and in, 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 um, names for those um, types of disinfectants that you could use. It's, it's, I think it's, when I looked last night, it's probably about three or four pages long of uh, in disinfectants that you could use uh, in your home or at your workplace. And I want to take a plug on that okay. uh, real quick. 
So again, we have to be mindful. This is this is this disease topic for this year. But we have so many diseases that can live on mm -hmm. inanimate objects and we don't pay attention. So I'll give you a real quick example. Hepatitis B. If someone has hepatitis B and they they cut their finger, that could live on a, a, a surface for at least 14 days. So if you don't clean it, like if you, if I hope people don't do this anymore, but some people may. Um, they had an old sponge, mm -hmm. that old dish sponge, and they use that dish sponge to clean off their counter. That's not going to work. So again, whatever we're putting out into the environment, we're not being mindful and good stewards of our environmental hygiene. That's not going to clean that surface appropriately. Yeah. So then we, we cook and we cut on that surface. Do you, you follow mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So again, just clean and disinfect every time you're um, in your kitchen, where you're, where you're eating, where you're prep, prepping your food. Um, because it's not just this this virus. Yeah. We have many other viruses that can live on inanimate surfaces. And if we don't just always be vigilant and mindful of how we clean, we'll have something else that's an outbreak. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so what about uh, animals? Uh, can they be contracted to animals or pets or things like that? Uh, or is that something that... Uh, yes. So again, when we're talking about prevention, we're, we're not just talking about human to human prevention. We're talking about human to pets. Um, if you're if you're sick, stay away from your animals because your animals get sick. It's just like when you feed your animals table food, your animals can develop the same diseases that we as humans develop. So um, yeah, if you're sick, stay away from your animals. Wow. Okay. All right, and. Uh are there any places that we should avoid going right now because of this outbreak? I mean, uh, they, you know, we've been hearing them, you know, stop, you know, or wanting to, you know, not go into, in, you know, enclosed places where a lot of people, big crowds and stuff like that. Is that, is that something you think, you know, right at the time, right now, we should just avoid until, you know, maybe they have a vaccine at least for it? So again, um, the CDC's website, they have um, information on travel. And so in terms of traveling from place to place, country to country, they have different levels of alert for travel, uh, uh, travel alert one through three. And um, de depending on the, the level of alert for that country, then you would take the appropriate precautions and prohibit travel to those places based on the level of alert. Um, I think level level one alert is the lowest level, and um, you just have to, you know, follow the CDC guidelines for traveling to a, a country or a city. Even now, at this point, because it's now in the United States, um, with a level one alert level. Uh, however, level three is prohibited. So again. Being aware of what 
the travel alerts are and where they are, again, it's fluid. So it's really incumbent upon everyone to really get the information from the CDC because today it may be, you know, we had some cases in California. Um, it may be by the end of the week or by the end of a month, those levels of alert change. Yeah. So you really have to just kind of know where to go to the CDC site and get that information and make sure that you're aware of it because the level of alert for travel can change. In terms of not going anywhere, um, because of the dynamics of how the disease uh, spreads, I don't, I don't know that it would be uh, practical for any individual to not continue to live. Right. I mean, because until there's something different um, uh, in terms of guidance, we have to work. Well, I'm we about, have to, but I'm talking about as far as like the sporting events, uh, you know, the airplane, you know, confined places where a lot of people go. Is that something? So keep in mind avoid? what I said about the six feet, yeah. the personal space. Yeah. So um, well, I'm, a, I'm an independent feet. thinker. <laughs> We're all independent yeah. thinkers and accountable for our actions. So if I know and I understand that um, I may end up in a place where inevitably that that space gets shortened to less than six feet, I'm just going to try to avoid it. Shoot, I ain't three feet. <laughs> <laughs> go, go into a stadium, sitting next to my So uh, again, when you understand how things happen, you can have a little bit more of a critical thinking and critical judgment in your decision making on where you should and should not go. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this uh, this is uh something else. I, I've been I've been trying to find out the truth about it. For a while, but you know you hear so much, and the news just comes on about it all the time, and you yeah, have different stories and everything. They got this boat off the, the water, you know, uh, stuff like that. So it's just kind of difficult to know what the truth is on on the matter. Even if you go to CDC uh, website, you know, it's just so much information it out is. there. It's a know, lot that that kind of confuses people on what to do and what not to do. And, uh, how serious to take it, you know, some people don't, aren't taking it as serious, uh, that it needs to, and then some people are going a little bit too far, right, you yes. know, so it's kind of good to have a balance, be concerned, be a, a little vigilant, but, you know, don't stop living, you know, exactly. don't, stop, don't stop, you know, what you need to do in order to, to, to live and to maintain every day. It's, um, Kind of funny that you brought that up. I have two young adult sons, and my older son is um, 21. So he he shared with me about um, how he works for ATV in the um, in one of the e e centers where they where you can now you know you can get your groceries delivered online and yeah. all of that. Mm -hmm. And so he shared with me how. Um, the volume of, of, of goods are, are going, are surpassing what they're projecting every day. And so he shared, he said, mom, you know, um, we may need to just kind of stock up on more things. And I shared with him and I said, well, 
how do we how how do we do it effectively and in a practical sense? Um, so for example, anyone who's going to the store in the last week, you can't find hand sanitizer, you can't find disinfectant. And so most stores now have limited the number of, of items you can buy of that one thing. In terms of food, um, if you buy if you buy over abundance of food, where are you going to store it? And how other than canned goods, yeah. how how are you going to keep it? Yeah. Okay, so you you have to be mindful and practical about what you're doing. And again, the individuals who are going to extreme, they go to extreme and buy those things, and then they still go out and do the regular old stuff that they do. <laughs> You know, still so is, that, hands, is, that, is it really practical yeah. that you're over here buying extreme amount of good Planning to stay home and, and but you're not staying home. Yourself, but you but you're still not doing the things to keep right. Up. And so that brings us to a good segue to uh having a plan. Um one of the things that is on the CD, and I'm not a, a spokesperson for CDC, but I am a, a I, I have a scientific mind, so I go to where the evidence is, right? And so um, one of the things that the CDC has really great guidance on is having a plan um, and a home emergency plan, a preparedness plan, if you will. So um, what does that look like? That looks like having conversations with your friends and family about what actually happens if someone in your household um, gets infected, what you need to do. We talked about calling ahead to your doctor's office before you just show up at the emergency room. Uh, that plan uh, looks like, um, what if someone in my household does become infected? Um, that plan includes having a designated room in your house uh, and, the, and the supply set up for self-containment of that individual yeah. and what that needs to look like. Again, it really is imperative uh, for us to, to have the right information. Um, if we have children and um, there's there's an outbreak at a school and you have to keep your kids at home, or if there's a, a kid at a school and multiple kids get infected, you need mm -hmm. to know the plan for the school. The same as at your workplace. You need to know the plan for your workplace. Um, I know most uh, organizations now who have the capability uh, of uh, what you call telework and have their employees working at mm -hmm. working at home. There's an entire dynamic that is shifting in in business and in the workplace now. And um, my guess, in the long term, people are going to really continue to look at mm -hmm. how we're going to be impacted when this dies down, yeah. and it's really going to change the dynamics of how we do business. Um, I know, of course, in the hospitals, there there's been ongoing discussions uh, on a daily basis um, about the preparedness for hospitals, again, because when people go out and buy all of these uh, masks, then it takes away the supply because, you know, a lot of times they're getting them from the same supplier that the hospital gets them. Yeah. And so uh, hospitals may end up uh, running out of supplies, so we have to uh, look at how the
the hospitals are doing the business. So um, it really is important that we, we just start thinking about not just now, but how this is going to infect uh, impact us in the long run. Yeah. You, you asked that question earlier. I don't have a prediction, but I, I can um, say that it will have a long-term impact about how we continue to do business. Yeah. And we have a couple questions on, on, on Facebook here. Uh, one person asked, uh, how do I protect myself from to protect myself and my daughter without being a bad business owner. So she said, uh, uh, she's a salon owner and she has a two-year-old daughter who comes to work with her and we come in contact with a lot of people. So how do I protect myself and her daughter without being a bad business owner? Okay, that's a great question. So, um, I, I, my professional answer to that would be we as individuals have to start thinking like we are, we are individuals in the community. What that means is, you know, traditionally we, we just kind of stay in our lane and mind our business. Mm -hmm. Well, this is everybody's business, right? And so what that means is we respectfully and caringly can say to people, you know, I have some hand sanitizer, there's some soap and water. Would you mind covering your mouth? Um, with the Kleenex, if you if you're if you're a business owner, maybe you could have some extra boxes of uh, so be proactive. Uh, yes, be proactive. Have some extra boxes of Kleenex. Have some uh, sanitizer readily available, and it wouldn't hurt to caringly and respectfully say, you know, um, these are these are difficult times for us, and. I want to ensure that you and all my clients and my family, we are all taken care of because I, I appreciate your business and I don't want you to be ill and I don't want my family to be ill. So would you mind grabbing a Kleenex to cover it when you cough or when you sneeze or, or, or making sure you wash your hands? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. And you can even post it if you want a sign or something just so people can read it and maybe be more aware of it. Right. Uh, because right keep it on a, where keep it on awareness mind. is what's going to help us get through this yeah. and us looking out and taking care of each other. And we could do that in a caring and respectful way. Yeah. Uh, another question we have, uh, if a person is diagnosed with the coronavirus, can they be reinfected after they are all clear? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I don't have any definitive information on that. Uh, however, I'm going to say yes, because you can get all clear from the flu and be reinfected. Um, especially since there is no vaccine or cure for it. Yeah. So um, it's, it's reasonable to expect that, yes, you can. So again, the prevention, right now prevention is the best cure that we have in terms of hand washing, appropriate hand washing and uh, sanitizing and, and, and disinfecting objects when we kind of come in contact with them and, and, and keeping our uh, 
respectful and appropriate personal space clear. Okay. Is there, is there anything that we shouldn't do? You told us all the things we should do. Is there anything that we shouldn't do to keep from? We shouldn't panic. We shouldn't fear. And um, those are the two things that I believe that we should not do because they would not be helpful. What about taking like uh, uh, medicines over the counter, like uh, NyQuil or you know the things we take for flu? Would any of those be effective? So, over the counter medicines are typically to help reduce symptoms. They don't cure anything. Okay. They help minimize and reduce the symptoms of a cold, and so. The same thing with the flu. If you take uh, over-the-counter medicines, it's going. It's just there to minimize uh, those symptoms. It doesn't cure it. So, uh, in terms of cure, there is nothing over-the-counter that you can take to cure the flu or coronavirus. Okay. And how long does that virus stay on the surface? That particular virus. It can stay on the surface for a couple of days. That's why, of course, again, you don't know what virus is there. So you, you just have to be vigilant and mindful to keep your 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 areas clean and disinfected. Okay. It, it stays. It can stay there for a couple of days. Okay. And and smoking and all that stuff ain't gonna help either, huh? That, I mean, that helps. It probably makes you it makes, makes it you more worse. likely that you'll get. Yeah. Well, because it's a it's a virus that um, attaches to the respiratory system, which you know primarily your your lungs. So, if you think about what your lungs look like when you smoke, it looks like that mm -hmm. when you smoke. Okay, and the lungs are supposed to be nice and pink, but it they the tar from the smoke turns them black, and yeah. um, it really decreases. Uh, your ability uh, for your lungs to explain, expand. So just think if you you have if you develop any kind of respiratory illness that compromises your ability for your lungs to expand, and you smoke for years, years and years, and your lungs already are compromised from expanding just because of smoke. That's going to uh, really exacerbate whatever that disease is that you. You've come in contact with. Wow. Well, Mr. Moss, I, Dr. Moss, I thank you for coming on. Would you uh, please, if you have a shout out, you can, please, you can give a shout out or and uh, and please uh, give a last word to to the people about anything. Oh, most certainly. I would like to give a wonderful and gracious shout out to RMI Capital and Mr. Mark Davenport and the Straight to the Top family for really making this opportunity uh, happen for me uh, to uh, be able to come to this, this show and yeah, speak they, with they you. They made sure <laughs> it was important to come talk about it, which it is. And, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to minimize that, but. Uh, you know, I had to also you know, get some logistical things ready done though. But but yeah, it was a very important, very important yes. topic to talk about. Yeah. So thank you so much. And um, just some uh, parting words. Um, 
We don't need to let fear and anxiety drive us. Um, humans are the most intelligent beings on the planet. And this is the perfect time for us to behave that way and take appropriate action to show that we can and will be resilient and get through this if we are uh, good stewards of information and act according to the recommendations um, that science has given us and that God has given us um, because doesn't bring us here if he can't get us there. Yeah. So um, just really be mindful again. Take care of yourself first so we can continue to take care of each other. Yeah. Well, that's a good last word. You know, uh, definitely uh, look out for look out for ourselves, but also uh, look out for the people around us. And we gotta take care of ourselves, we'll be able to take care of others. Yes, absolutely. You know, so, so we definitely uh, need to be more uh, proactive in how we, uh, in our hygiene, you know, and how we uh, uh, wash our hands and, and keep surfaces clean and, and things of that nature to kind of minimize the risk of getting it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Moss. Well, thank I appreciate you, so much you coming on. We definitely like to have you back sometime. Hopefully, some of more uh, a better, better topic. You know. Well, maybe we can come back after it's all over, and we can kind of talk about some lessons learned. That yeah. Would be great. Yeah. And yeah. how we got through it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hopefully, it's sooner rather than <laughs> yes. later. But yes. yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on with us and sharing that information. It's very, uh, very important that we know uh, more about that, so we can, uh, we can definitely. Uh, Start start to do what we need to do to kind of kind of eradicate this right now. At least at least minimize it to the, until they can come up with some type of uh, a vaccine or or antibiotic or something. Do you do they have a timetable for that yet? Have they um, given you a timetable for that? The last words that came from uh, World Health Organization and CDC. 12 to 18 months. Wow. So. With that being said, it's really, perhaps we need to act like there's always some new disease out and maybe we'll just start forming the behaviors that we need to protect ourselves all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> well, they keep coming, so I mean, we're not, exactly. not going to get rid of them. So know? we need to continue to do what we're doing now yeah. and, and ramp it up yeah. in terms of prevention yeah. uh, well, and, and taking care of ourselves. But what can you do? About and I and I don't need to keep going on, but this came from a foreign country, and it came, you know, this way. So I mean, it's kind of hard to to keep it, you know, like keep it right over there where it is. You know, it's gonna it's gonna change. It's gonna get us somehow because people are always traveling here and coming here and there. And we're always traveling other places. Yeah, that too. Exactly. Yeah, so so um, it may not matter as much where it came from, as much as it matters is in how we deal with it. Yeah. Because there's always going to be travel. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be movement. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's from one country to another, whether it's one from one city to another state, or whether it's one side of town to the other side of town, there's always going to be movement. And so 
again, we don't know what what that other person has or what that other person is even going through, you know? So it really is about us being mindful. Again, I, I, I keep reiterating that we have to be mindful of what we're putting out and, and, and how we're interacting with each other and how we're taking taking care of ourselves. So we gotta do because our part. we can't we can't stop all of these things. But we gotta do our part. We to if each individual person do their part, then collectively we'll start to develop those behaviors as a group right. of, of of human beings to do what we need to do or do what we can do to kind of keep these things at bay. But if if things happen, then we get past it and we forget and we get complacent and relaxed. Then they come back because we got relaxed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Well, thank you, Dr. Moss. Appreciate your time. Welcome. And uh, look forward to having you back again. Okay. Okay. Thank you thank so you. much. And thank everybody for tuning in on the show. Please share this video with, uh, with all your friends on Facebook and other uh, social media platforms. Uh, share the word and please I hope uh, this will help uh, kind of inform you on this virus and be able to be proactive and continue to to live life but don't don't be fearful of, of, of what it might do because you know we just have to take take steps in order to try to prevent it as much as possible but uh, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next week. Have a good weekend. Thank you.